Welcome back to the show. I'm Travis Chappell, and I believe that if you can connect with the best, you can become the best. So after creating 800 podcast episodes about building your network, I've come to realize that networking is really just making friends. If you're doing it the right way, anyway. Join me as I make friends with world-class athletes like Shaquille O'Neal, entertainers like Rob Deerdeck, authors like Dr. Nicole LaPera, former presidents like Vicente Fox, or even the occasional FBI hostage negotiator, billionaire real estate mogul, or polarizing political figure. So if you want to make more friends that help you become a better version of yourself, then subscribe to the show and keep on listening because this is Travis Makes Friends. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the show. Today, I'm making friends with somebody named Paul Chambers. Paul is the co-founder of SubSummit, which is the largest subscription event in the country. They have thousands of people come through every single year to talk purely about how to get your subscription company more successful. Started off just in subscription boxes, um, you know, like the FabFitFun type era. And then they just kind of kept getting more and more and more people interested in their conference that had nothing to do with subscription boxes. But now they have SaaS companies and they have, uh, you know, membership companies and agencies, basically anybody that's trying to get subscription based recurring revenue in their business, which is a lot of different businesses. Um, this is like the conference to go to. So um, I, I really like the guys over there, Chris and, and Paul and uh, Lauren and some of the other people that I've been able to interact with. I was a keynote speaker there a couple of years ago. I went back this year uh, to do a few live podcasts on stage. And I really enjoyed this conversation with Paul. He's a really great guy. He's an entrepreneur, businessman, family man, um, and then also uh, pushes himself to do things like volunteer firefighting and just random things like that that just make him a staple in his community and uh, get him to focus on physical fitness and to set an example for his kids. And there's so many things that we that we you know had common ground on. So I really enjoyed this conversation with Paul, and I think you will as well. So without further ado, please enjoy my conversation with Paul Chambers. What's up, dude? How's it going? Ah, good. Thanks for having me on, Travis. So, I appreciate it. Yeah, of course, man. Of course. Thanks for having me out to the event two years in a row. Yes. It's always good when you get invited to speak at an event, and then the next year they're still wanting you to come back. Yeah. You know, it's yeah. like, a, oh, at least I didn't screw up too bad. Yeah, he yeah. was all right. You did, yeah. did an okay job. No, <laughs> we, we absolutely loved uh, the content that you shared last year and, and helping our audience explore podcasting and understanding the value behind that. Yeah. Because I don't, I think that's something people started to get into during COVID a lot more and they started realizing it more. But prior to that, you know, really wasn't at the forefront. I think of a lot of people's radars. They, they thought to like, jump on podcasts, but to right. start producing their own. And that's, I met you through, uh, Eric music. Yeah. 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 Cause he, he had me on his subscription box show podcast mm -hmm. and he's like, you got to meet Travis Chappell. He's brilliant. And you had helped him out. Yeah. Eric was a, he, he's a great dude, man. He was a client of ours that we yeah. helped start a podcast. And it, it, I remember, I remember working it, working through it with him because up to that point, the majority of people that we had worked with were more, uh, like authority brands, like personal brands, you know, coaches, mm -hmm. consultants, authors, and and people people like that really got podcasting because it was just another yeah. way for them to get their core messaging out. Right. Uh, but when we started kind of broadening the scope and talking to businesses, it was it was a little bit different for us because we were like, how do we help somebody like Eric, who at the time I think he was still working full time when he when he when he uh. Uh, paid us and came on board with us, and so we we're like, well, how do we help somebody with a with a business? Right, who's, he's not interested in like becoming a public speaker. Maybe he is later yeah. on or something, but like right now, he's not interested in becoming a public speaker. He's not coming out with a book. Right. He's starting a subscription box for like parents who are having kids in the hospital, yeah. and like here's a supply of stuff to have in the yep. hospital for you know Louis and Leia, great little great great company that they built. And uh, I was like, how do we help these people? 
right. s- sell more things. And, and and his approach was a brilliant strategy because he wanted to to get out there to meet other subscription box owners. Right. So and, that that was exactly the direction that we ended up taking the conversation. Right. We're just like, hey, look, brilliant. if we if we set this up in a way where you're not you're not necessarily building an audience in hopes that they're gonna buy Louie and Leia or subscribe mm-hmm. to your subscription box. We're not really setting it up like this podcast up in that way. We're setting this podcast up in a way that allows you uh, a quote unquote nobody in the space, somebody who's like been in, you know, I think construction or something that yeah. he was in before, yeah, to completely just like random, like labor based job right. that he was doing in Canada for his entire life and his entire family did it. He didn't nobody in the space and just like, how can we take you? somebody who nobody knows and turn you into somebody who everybody in this space knows because we believe one of our core values inside of our companies is if if you can connect with the best you can become the best and so how we're like how how do we get eric to be able to connect with all the best people in his industry and so i remember sitting through his coaching session we're coming up with all these different names for his podcast and i was like what if we just went really on the nose with it and just called it the subscription box show. <laughs> and then he was like, I love it. Done. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And he wrote it down and it became the subscription box show. But uh, ultimately what ended up happening was this cool, you know, uh, uh, chain of events where exact, like the, the plan that we put together actually worked. The strategy yeah. worked where he was able to start connecting with all of these people who were big names in, in, in the space yeah. that he was in. And he was able to, to, to take all the things that he was learning from people and apply them into his business. Um, and then I think he got to MC here one year or be a part of a yep. panel or stage or something yeah, he's like been, that. It, we, we've, we've struggled during COVID uh, because he's up in Canada and it's a little bit harder to get here during COVID and, and different all the rules and regulations. But he's been a great remote support for us yeah. and super helpful from that standpoint. And it's been really fun to watch his podcast grow and his network grow. Yeah, And then he's just been turned into such a great connector. And I think like that's what's super valuable out there in – when you're when you're in that position, you're able to meet those great people, and then you help bridge those connections as you have more conversations. Yes, because that goes so <clears throat> far in terms of like people see that and they feel that, and mm-hmm. they then you'll get other future guests because of it. Absolutely, and 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 you guys are also a great example of that. This is why I love content in general. I like podcast podcasting is my favorite medium, but um, but running an event, running a live event, running a meetup, running uh, some sort of in person experience is also a fantastic way to do that, especially when you look at the production level that goes into the events that you guys are doing now. Yeah. Um, it, 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 it creates this, it creates this like magnetic field around you and the, and the ventures that you're working on that attracts all of the best people. Like you're just all of a sudden on a zoom call or a phone call with somebody that you're like, how did, how are we even talking? Like who, yeah. how, like I'm just a dude yeah. who started an event or I'm just a dude who has a podcast and now I'm talking with this person that I just never even thought would give me the time of day and they're asking me if I need help. Right. <laughs> you know what I right. mean? It's it's not even like, like what's going on yeah, here. It's crazy. Yeah, and it's amazing. Like <laughs> I, I'm constantly pinching myself in the, what we've been able to build over the years here at Sub Summit. We launched in 2016 and invited like 200 of our, of our closest friends into a room to talk about subscription boxes. Yeah. And it's grown and scaled and and, you know, I look at Hello Bellos um, shampoo sitting in my shower every day for my kids who should be using their shower, but come and jump in our shower. <laughs> and because it's just, I don't know why. But it's better. Yeah, it's way better for some reason. So, but, and then I'm looking at our ticket feed of ticket purchasers and I see the CEO of Hello Bello and multiple team members. Mm-hmm. And I was just able to sit down with Tushar from Hello Bello and have a conversation.
conversation with them. Nice. I'm like, how did this happen? You know, yeah. and and how we get here, and it's, and I truly believe it's because with our event, we build with the best intentions of helping as many people as possible and build that community. Yes. It, I always tell the story. It started a little bit selfishly because we wanted to meet as a subscription box owner at the time, meet other subscription brands. But as soon as we brought that room together from the very moment of that very first event, we felt that energy and we mm. felt people connected. We're like, okay, this is all we need to be doing. Yeah, there's something here. There's yeah. something to this. We, we, I remember the, the very first event of sitting down with uh, Michael Burkeem, the founder of FabFitFun. Yeah. He came and what, spoke. Well, because like, I mean, we're, t- we're, just, we're talking 2016, you said? 2016, I yeah. mean, this is like pretty early stages of subscription boxes. Yeah. Like FabFitFun was the one of the only ones. Yeah, they were just <laughs> starting to grow and scale like crazy. Yeah. Somehow we got... You know, Michael to come and speak at the event via Liz Cadman at MSA at the time. Well, I'll tell you, it's not a somehow, Paul. You guys were very good and strategic yeah. about this. It was because it was the only event for yeah. subscription boxes in the country. Right. You know what I mean? So, right. it, like, props to you guys Thanks. for just stepping into Like, now it's obviously expanded into subscription in yeah. general. Yeah. And now you have Netflix here and all these other kind of, like, cloud-based subscription platforms. But at first, it was, like, subscription yeah. boxes. If yeah. you have I mean, a subscription box, come here. And it yeah. became the place for subscription boxes. Yeah. So starting very, you know, they say the riches are in the niches a lot yes. of times. So we're very niche. And and the reason we've expanded over the years because we started to realize people could learn from each other. Yeah. I remember one of our events in 2019, um, you know, Sling TV came up and said, you know, we just learned something from MeUndies that had a six-figure impact on our bottom line. Mm. You know, so uh, TV streaming learning from an underwear subscription is right. amazing and so cool. And, and that's what, you know, I absolutely love about you know, in-person events, and and we miss it during COVID, you get that energy, you get those serendipitous interactions. Um, I watched Adam LaVinter and uh, Alex Brown from Truly Free and Adam LaVinter, um, he runs Scriberbase, somehow realized they lived within minutes of each other last night in a conversation. They'd never met before. They start talking and they're two great minds that I love and respect in this industry. And they're like, oh, you're in Toronto? I'm in Toronto. And like, you know, finding, Uh, you know, how close they are to each other. So cool to see that. Yeah, right. And and that's that's one of the core values I think that is just overlooked. And then this is why I tell people you don't have to start this massive event and you guys have thousands and thousands of people that have come through this event now in the last few yeah. years, huge stage productions and you guys do everything first class Thanks. and I always recommend people come check out this conference whenever they they're in the subscription industry. And and sometimes I think when people are looking at that version of what exists now, they're like, oh, I can't do this. Right. Yeah, I can't, I can't build a, this type of a summit or an event like that. Like, that's way out of my league. I don't even know the first thing about doing that. We don't – the good news is, like, you don't have to start no. with that. Yeah. You know, th- this is – and this is also why I, you know, always recommend podcasting first mm-hmm. because it's so much easier than yeah. most things. Very low friction. Yeah. Like, when I started my podcast, man, I had a uh, – I had a flipped over laundry basket in my closet and I set my laptop on top of the laundry basket and I had a $60 USB microphone plugged in my computer and that was my entire setup. I have a picture of it somewhere. It's amazing. Um, it was just like literally flipped over laundry basket, laptop, $60 microphone, and now I have a podcast. Yeah. Um, but it, but the, the, the thing is, when you're connecting with guests on Zoom, they don't know any of that. No. Yeah, <laughs> they just they, see that you have a podcast and they, you ask them to come on. And they're like, okay, sure. Yeah, let's do yeah, this. Yeah, I'll do that. You know? Yeah. So you become this like this connector of people and ideas. And even if you don't grow it into something massive, it still is intrinsically valuable to yeah. everything that you're working on. Everything in my life is different today because I started a podcast six years ago. Yeah. And I love the approach of your pride. I, I love Travis Makes Friends. Thank I think you. it's it's such a great 
Because that's what it's all about. Yes. My favorite question I found to ask people is, how can I help you? Mm. Is there anything I can do for you? Because it it just, it opens the doors to so many great conversations and, and ways that you can find, you know, oh, I'd love an introduction to this person, or I'm yeah. wondering about this right now. And it's just, I love, I love being helpful too, as much as I can. And, but, but it really, truly, you know, helps bridge so many awesome interactions Yeah. to go back to what you're talking about earlier about like getting started and getting going. I, I struggle with this quote unquote disease. I, I claim I have called entrepreneur never satisfied syndrome. <laughs> and it's always like, there's always somebody better. I don't know what you're talking about. Right. <laughs> exactly. There's always somebody that's going to be in the next level. And even Elon Musk, I'm sure, you know, he's out there looking at somebody yeah. you know, that once was or admiring somebody who has different control of their lives. And that's a, that's a hard thing to overcome as an entrepreneur that's growing. But you go back to our first event in 2016, I remember frantically realizing our stage had no backdrop to it as mm. we're about to set it up. And there's, you know, the, the uplighting wasn't quite there. And, you know, we needed multiple camera angles and just realizing all the nuances to it. And I always tell our team when we're building this event, you know, you, you look at what we have here and we're so fortunate to have an amazing team and have grown and scaled where we have but there's always room for improvement. And so every time we see something, we write it down. Yeah. We do our after action reviews after sub summit. We talk about what we could do better. And I always say, look at, you know, what has happened has happened. And if we realize there's a way we can improve, let's make it better next time. The only thing I ever ask is let's just not make the same mistakes twice, mm. you know? And so that's that continuous improvement. And I think that's the hardest thing as an entrepreneur sometimes yeah. is to realize you're never going to be satisfied and you're always, and that's, but that's that, that's what drives you. Sure. And so don't lose sight of that, but don't give don't be so hard on yourself when you don't quite get there. Yeah. Oh, uh, someone told me one time, only and always make new mistakes. Ah, I like so, that. So always be making mistakes. Just don't make them again. Right. You know what I mean? Like just keep doing stuff, keep getting better. Um, and don't worry about if this thing isn't right or that thing isn't right. And for the most part, man, like when you, when you lead with your attitude of how can I help you and this, this, this leading with value mentality, most people are going to understand if it's like, oh, well, the stage wasn't lit properly. You know, you're going to have a couple of people that are just a-holes, but those are the people that never do anything in their life anyway. Yeah. Like their calling in life is criticizing other people because they'll never take action on anything because they're too afraid right. to be the one failing. So those are the people that are going to be like, I noticed uh, your screen was like flickering on and off and uh, you guys need to fix that. What right. kind of operation is this? I paid $500 for this ticket and whatever, blah, yeah. blah, blah. But that person's going to go home, do nothing, be in the same place next year and never go to another event. Right. And they're going to find something to complain about all the time. Yeah. But the people who are like part of the community who see that you guys are trying to lead with value, who see that you have this attitude of like, how can I help you first right. without expe expe uh, expecting anything in return? Those people are going to not care about that yeah. stuff for the most part. They'll actually help. They'll they'll be helpful. They'll, they'll say stuff like, hey, you know, I noticed that this thing was good. Everything else was was amazing. Thank you guys so much. And I wanted to give you a compliment on this. Um, but if you're looking for feedback, you know, there's one or two things that I noticed that might be a little bit different. And I'll be here next year to make sure that, uh, you know, I'm yeah. supporting along the way. Those are, those are my favorite emails to get after the event when somebody offers constructive feedback in a positive way and just, you know, help realizing that very same thing yeah. of like, Hey, I saw this, just want to help you guys improve this for next year. Here's something that would make my experience better because, you know, I, I walk around and talk to so many people at the event and, and I ask that question, how I can help. I ask, you know, what, how are you, 
you know, this is valuable for you so far. What do you think? And it's always good feedback. But then my follow-up question is like, would you tell me if it was bad? Yeah, right. You know, and, and, and some people are honest. They'll be like, well, maybe not necessarily. You know, but some people say like, yeah, I'd, I'd tell you if it was bad. And those are the, that's the type of feedback that I, I love receiving because mm-hmm. it's ways we find we can make better. I don't take it to heart and think like, oh, you know, like, yeah, okay. You know, so let's say a sponsor didn't get enough leads or have enough good conversations or somebody didn't make enough connections. That's a cue to me. Like, okay, we need to do better in this year. How can we do better next year at yeah. that? Because I, I said this on the main stage on day one, running an event is like a wedding on steroids. <laughs> everybody needs to be happy. And, yeah. and we want not just everybody the bride. To be, yeah, not just the bride and groom. We want everybody to be happy. We want the sponsors to be happy. We want the, the speakers to have an amazing experience. You know, you've been here before. We do our speaker reception mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. create value and allow our speakers to meet other people. We want to make sure our attendees are getting value from the mer- you know, sponsors in the room and the speakers on stage. So, you know, I think, I think that's like when you have that mentality in business of, you know, how can we keep finding that continuous improvement and how can we keep getting better? And I was reading a tweet the other day about, um, Moise Ali was complaining about Clavio. Mm. Do you use Clavio at all? I've, I've used it before. Yeah. They actually sponsored the show a little while back. Yeah. Okay. So I should be careful. <laughs> but <laughs> no, uh, Clavio or Clavio, it's something people, everybody says it a little bit different, but yeah. nonetheless, it's like Zapier and Zapier. Yeah. yeah. And, and so some people, uh, the conversation on Twitter was around, um, they've gotten a little complacent with their technology. Mm. They've been growing a ton. There's rumors of them going public and there's features that just haven't been getting introduced into it that are like painfully obvious features that marketers need within there. And, And the thought process there and the argument on Twitter is that, They've grown too much where they're not innovating anymore. They innovated so much early on and mm. they took market share. They found they product lead, market fit and then they stopped. And they stopped and got complacent because they're focused then on growth and acquisition yeah. and we're so far ahead. And what happens to those companies when you stop thinking about that, then you start to fall behind. Yeah. The, the very thing that you're trying to prevent happening is the thing yeah. that actually happens, which is negative growth for the first time. I mean, with running Guestio, do you see that? Do you do you feel that pressure to constantly be pushing and to yes. innovate? Yes. I feel at Guestio, we are always, like, we're still looking for that product market fit. Mm-hmm. You know, we've been doing this for a couple of years, and my strength lies on marketing and and selling. So I, I don't have a problem bringing customers in through the door. Right. It's just now, like, I, I have realized my weaknesses. And so uh, two, two, three months ago, we brought on a president of the company to focus more on like systems operations, customer experience, satisfaction, product and stuff like that. Uh, because that was our problem. It was like, so we can acquire customers. I was doing everything. Oh yeah. gosh. Yeah. 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 Um, and so, yeah. So, yeah. So I, we realized at some point that, Hey, you know what? I can either, I think what the problem was, is I was trying to do everything and I, I tried to put on hats that I just wasn't meant to wear. Right. And, uh, and, and sometimes I think that that's necessary as a, fa- especially as a founder, oh, you yeah. just got to kind of like, you know, so, maybe, maybe, maybe you aren't in your zone of genius. Maybe you think your zone of genius is selling, but your zone of genius really is product. So let's throw the product hat on for a few months and see how it goes. And I did that and it did not go well, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> neither for the company nor for my sanity. So it was like, all right, well, uh, you know, that was a, that was a, you know, swing and a miss. Let's yeah. try a different strategy, which right. is bring on somebody who's really good and really enjoys that. And then that I'll step into the seat. That's super smart. What I'm good at. Yeah. And something I think people don't do, especially, you know, entrepreneurs don't do enough where realizing where your strengths are. Like for me, I, I would say, you know, I spent my first, you know, 20 years in running a business. Uh, gosh, I'm on like 25, 26 now, but, and you know, the first five years I was just trying to get through college and yeah, piece right. it all together. Right. But, you know, the first 20 years really just kind of understanding and it, it 
sometimes it's painful. Like the, here's where the entrepreneur never satisfied syndrome comes in. Like, like, why didn't I realize this earlier? Mm. You know, why didn't I realize yeah. earlier that I'm better focused? You know, when I look at the event here, I'm, I'm great at putting all the details together, making sure the signage is exactly the place where it needs to be. I'm not going to be the guy that sells sponsorships mm. and, and pull sponsorships. I can talk to all of them and I'm, I want to be part of that, but that's not my zone of genius and where my, my specialty is. And yep. so finding the right partners or the right person to come in and, and do those things for you is critically important. Yeah. You know, it made me really consider it because I've had this conversation with a couple of people. Actually, uh, Jesse Puji was on the, on the show, um, a couple of days ago here mm -hmm. and he was talking about how, how he couldn't imagine what it would be like to have young kids and have a startup at the same time. And oh, I was gosh. like, yeah, it sucks because <laughs> <laughs> right. I, because I was in, I'm in that, you yeah. know, and especially a couple of years ago, when my daughter was born. It was like, we were just starting the software company and she was a newborn and my right. son was 18 months. And it was this, this big, you know, amalgamation of, uh, of, of lack of sleep and uncertainty. And it was just a weird period of life. But ironically, what I think the best thing that came out of that was my kids made me realize how much I didn't want to be that version of an entrepreneur where you are just constantly running, going, beating your head against the wall. And when, and then the nice thing about having a podcast is I started to realize that that version of entrepreneurship was not necessary to have outsized success because that was the lie that was sold to me, yeah. which it was, it was, you have to hustle your ass off if you right. want to build anything of significance. And it was like, but I'm meeting all these people on my show that I'm interviewing mm -hmm. who live pretty good lives. Like they work, they work a full 40, but they enjoy the work that they do. Yeah. They're working in their zone of the genius 80% of the time. And they have a team around them that's built to take care of all the other things that they're not good at. And so it just, uh, it, ironically, having kids and make, and my schedule shrinking in terms of what I could do with my work yeah. made me go fill the hours that I was spending doing the thing that I'm really good at. Yeah. And then forced me to outsource some of the other things that I was not good at to other people yeah. just because I knew a value of mine was to spend time with my kids. Yeah. So it was like, I, I'm not going to sacrifice that. Like there's zero version of, of the next 10 years where I just work on my businesses and don't do anything with my family. That's yeah. just not who I want to be. Well, right. So and, and you get such little time with your children in terms right. of like my girls are, are our girls as my wife's out here in the audience, our girls are now um, almost 13 years old. And we're looking at this going, you know, saying we've only got six years left with them being in our household. Yeah. Essentially. Wild. And we're like, gosh, you know, time's already coasted by, we have two younger kids that are, uh, nine and five. I always working. Yes. Got some head nods from the wife out <laughs> Confirmation. there. Confirmation. Yes. Got it right. <laughs> but you know, we're looking at the same thing and I'm looking at the same thing as the time flying by with my kids and wanting to spend as much time with them. And that's like, sometimes that's a, I, I've, I've worked through it. I think like you have as well, where that struggle in the beginning is I have been given the thought of that an entrepreneur is that never stop hustling mentality. Yeah but you watch this time flying by with your kids and you're like, gosh, am I being a failure to my business or am I being a failure to my family? Yeah. Yeah. And I think when you can come to the realization that you're neither of those things, and if you need to be, you need to be there more present for your family than anything. And the level that you work at the business is about being smarter about your time. Yes, exactly. It's not about being a failure within the business. It's about, understanding where you're your best focused and where your time should go because that's the most valuable resource we all have yeah sometimes it means taking a risk you know um doing something you've never done before yeah. that's what it was for me man i brought on this operator it's the first time i've ever hired 
like a six figure hire, like like pretty well into six figures yeah. with a pretty good equity compensation package and all this other stuff. And it was a really risky decision for me. I interviewed like 30 people. It took me oh. like four months. I procrastinated like crazy trying <laughs> to convince myself that this was yes. what I needed to do. Um, but uh, so far, it's worked out really well. You know, maybe it might be a different story than a year from now. I don't know. Come ask how me. Far, how far are you into it so far? Uh, about two and a half months. Okay. So yeah, you're getting so, through the early stages of yeah, getting acclimated and up exactly, and running. Exactly. Starting to get what the 30, 60, 90 day plan looks like. Exactly. Yeah. Because for me, like I'm, I'm, I'm again, sales marketing. So I'm always yeah. like growth. What are we doing here? What are we doing here? So right. th- bringing on this guy has like really taught me a lot of patience because he he ran he ran a seven or eight million a year a dollar a year mar- um, marketing agency before, yeah. um, so he's like very you know systems proficient and uh, and like I said I'm very impatient when it comes to those things. I'm just like let's go let's go what, right. like why are we not why can we not go sell more people yet you know because that's <laughs> essentially what happened is like we grew too fast I sold too many people yeah. my team was like hey Travis please stop selling because we can't <laughs> like we're getting drowned in work here. Yeah. And we don't have the, the systems aren't set up for us to scale properly. So we like we hit some big milestones last year, and then all of a sudden it was like everything came crumbling down at the end of the year because we we just we had too many customers and not enough staff yeah. to support them. And that's a good problem to have, but it's it's a problem. A problem nonetheless. Yeah, for yeah sure. definitely a challenge in there. So like I, I'm curious, like what have you done to help yourself kind of work through this mentality of now having somebody that. You're having to not, not like report to, but keep you in check, I guess. Oh, yeah, definitely has kept me in check for sure. And I, I've had to humble myself a lot because I, I, the whole reason I'm an entrepreneur is that I hate somebody telling me what to do. <laughs> right. You know, I just want to do what I want to do. And it's been a an ego check for me to have to almost like, like I brought this guy on because I want him to tell me what to do. Right. But then when he tells me what to do, I'm like, you this right. is my company doesn't work this way so yeah there's a lot of ego checking uh but uh but it's been largely so far a really successful successful relationship and and just a big realization that again if if i have to sacrifice sometimes like you know listening to somebody else's plan rather than enforcing my plan um and that means that i have more time with my family i have better energy to put into the things that i'm actually really good at and I get to work in my zone of genius, then I'm okay with sacrificing those things. And 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 I realize that, yeah, I'm like I'm paying this guy more than I pay myself to run this company. Right. But also, like, again, what are we solving for here? Like, am I right. solving for maximum dollars in my bank account or am I am I solving for like maximum joy in my life? You know what I mean? Yeah. And and I think being an entrepreneur, uh, you gotta ask yourself those types of questions. And for me, it was a joy thing and a and a freedom thing and a fulfillment thing and a family thing. And it was just like this is the vehicle. Yeah. You know what I mean? That will was allow that, me to do that. Was that what it was that pushed it over the edge? Was the family thing and starting to realize like that time and because how old are your kids? Do you have yeah, my son just turned four and my okay. daughter's two and a half. Okay. Yeah. Was that the turning point for you? It was a big thing. It was yeah. a big thing. It, it was that and then it was realizing that I sucked at some things in business. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and and the only option was for me to either get good at the things that I sucked at yeah. or bring somebody on who was good at those things. Okay, those so, are the only two options. So yeah, those two choices, how did you decide which one, which path to go down? Because that, because there's the easy way to talk yourself into like, I can learn this. Sure. I can get better. So I tried that. that so I think, which I think is a, I think that for me at that time was a necessary step. I, mm. I tried to do This episode of the show is brought to you by Indeed. We are driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate is not to search at all. It's to match and match with 
Indeed. If you need to hire, you need this platform, guys. I'm telling you, Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work and use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging candidates so you can connect with those people even faster. And it doesn't just help you hire faster. In fact, 93% of employers agree that Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And look, guys, one of the things that I wish I would have used Indeed for is this matching service. You can search and search and search and search and search all day long, but to actually be presented with quality candidates, like 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 hiring a a recruiter for you that's presenting people that has actually done the work to vet them and uh, bring quality people in front of you, that work by itself is uh, the fact that it's done by a software instead of like a team of high quality recruiters is is pretty insane. So they leverage over 140 million qualifications and preferences every single day, which is why Indeed's matching engine is the best one that you can use. It's constantly learning from your own preferences. So the more you use it, the better it gets at doing the job for you. Join more than three and a half million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility over at indeed.com slash Travis. Just go to indeed.com slash Travis right now and support this show by saying you heard about Indeed here on the podcast. Indeed.com slash Travis. Terms and conditions apply. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Do it myself first. And I think that as a founder, that's probably a prudent decision for most people, especially if you're, you know, if you're bootstrapping or you don't have a ton of cash flow or, you know, you're worried about something like you, you, you should probably see, can I handle this first? Yeah. So I tried. And then it was like, not only do I suck at this, but I do not enjoy trying to get better at this. Like it sucks the energy out of me. It gives right. me anxiety. It makes me stressed out. And I still don't feel like we're achieving the result that I want to achieve. Right. So I, uh, that was the ultimate decision maker where it was like, the option was get good at this or hire someone who's good at this. Yeah. I tried getting good at this. I sucked at it <laughs> and I hated it. So like, that's not a version of life that I'm willing to live at for any period of time, let alone for like the next three to five years while I'm trying to build this company. So it it became the only option was like, was like either stay small or find somebody who's been there, done that, hire them and have them tell me what to do. The best advice I ever got from, uh, was from this guy, uh, Kent Clothier, who's a kind of a mentor of mine. Mm-hmm. runs um several massively successful businesses in the in the real estate investing uh, world and he told me hire someone who intimidates you. Oh. And it was the first time I ever thought about hiring in that frame because most of the time when you're a founder, you're an entrepreneur, you're thinking you're going to hire somebody and then you're going to teach them and train them everything that they know and you're the hero of the story, you know what I mean? Yeah. It was the first time somebody kind of flipped that on its head for me and they were like hire someone who intimidates you. Hire someone who's way better than you so much so that like they're going to tell you what to do and it's going to intimidate you a little bit and then pay them what they're worth or more. Wow. And he was like, it would be the best decision you ever make. So you, when, when you went through those 30 applicants you were looking at in there, was was that a, a biggest factor for like, I guess, like, how would you think about you know, somebody that intimidates you in terms of like a business standpoint, their successes they've had? Yeah. What What's that metric? Yeah, for me, it was like somebody who had a little bit more formal training than I've ever had. Okay. Somebody who specializes in 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 biz ops, in biz op, and 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 uh, and systems and integrations yeah. and processes and um, 
somebody who is not only educated in that arena, but also has experience working in massive organizations at like from from a team perspective, uh, you know, maybe earlier on in their career. And then somebody who's also stepped into a role of being the guy in the company or the gal in the company, being the person who's in charge of everybody and actually having that pressure on them. So it's important to me to find somebody who had a kind of a mixture of all those things. Um, and, and I, I, you know, the, 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 guy I ended up hiring was kind of that way. He was, had a higher education than I had in that sense. Um, very well read and well studied outside of that world, um, which is important to me. Like continued self-education is really important to me as a value of mine. And I think that if you're going to hold a position of leadership, you can't not be that way. Um, and so like seeing stuff like that was important to me. Um, but then also seeing that he had stepped into like a, s- a smaller company when it had 15, 20 employees and scaled that to 40 to 50 employees doing 4 million, took it up almost to 8 million in revenue. And it was in an, like a service-based agency perspective, which can be very difficult from an ops standpoint. You know, agencies and services are, are, are extremely, yeah. you know, when you get up to that type of revenue, when you, when you're pushing eight figures in an agency, uh, it's a lot of work to get oh, yeah. systems and processes dialed in and teams working with each other. And you got to be a good people manager. You got to be a good systems manager. And there's just a few of those things that like me as like a solopreneur my whole life, I had no experience doing any right. of that. I never worked for another company, right. let alone a successful company. You know, like nobody ever paid me a fat salary to do. I didn't have a degree. I didn't have an MBA. Like no one qualified me. I didn't know any of that stuff. You know what I mean? So. Oh. Either I have to go learn it, which I tried and I hated it, or I got to go bring, find somebody who, yeah. who can who can do the job better than I can. And I think that's an important key metric because um, I've been in this boat before where I, I brought in somebody to, to run my agency. Um, and so my roots are in a digital marketing agency. And when we launched SubSummit, that agency helped create the brand and helped create everything around it. And, yeah. it's, and I still have that today. My focus is mainly on the conference and have an amazing team that runs the agency still. But over the course of time, I brought in somebody to run that agency that didn't end up working out. Mm. And I think for me, you know, through this conversation here, realizing like part of that was, you know, maybe there was some intimidation factor. But for me, the litmus test was um, I should have dug a little little bit deeper into some things Mm. and uh, deeper into looking more at the experience of ops or running something like that. Um, And lessons learned. And I I think, you know, whenever I have an opportunity to, to to talk to an audience like this, I, I always try and share some of the more vulnerable moments because I think those are important to hear yes. in terms of like the challenges that are out there and you're going to come across them. You know, you're two months into it so far. So things may have started to surface. <clears throat> things may not have started to surface. Yeah. And it's still, it took me like six months of being into that relationship with that, uh, that person I had running the organization to be like, something's not quite right here. That that was the ultimate reason I decided to hire somebody that was way better than I was. Yeah. And some like and again, I'm two months in. It could end up not working out. I really have no idea what to expect from it. I hope it goes well. I have no reason to believe it won't at this point. But, yeah, but we think if he's listening, we think it'll be great. <laughs> yeah, right. Right. Exactly. If you're not listening, then you know, who yeah. knows? Yeah. Um, no, but I I the the reason that the, the thing that pushed me to do that was exactly what you just said, because I realized that even if, if I went and hired kind of like more of a manager level that I would pay maybe 80 to 100,000 a year rather than like 150 to 200,000 a year if I went that level versus that level I knew I knew that there was just as much financial risk in the lower you know kind of quote unquote level higher uh, as there would be for paying double for yeah. somebody else uh, because I I knew that that exact thing that you're saying was a 
is a possibility that you yeah. can bring on this person, teach them everything you know, and take eight months to figure out that they're not a good fit. Right. And then you've just wasted not only time yeah. and energy, but money paying this person who essentially did nothing profitable or useful in your business for eight months. And then you still have to go find somebody else to replace them and start from scratch all right. over again, trying to teach them something that I'm not even qualified to teach them <laughs> right. to begin with. You know what I mean? It just yeah. was like, ah, man. And I think I, sometimes the challenge, two things there, sometimes the challenge after that if you have that experience where the person isn't the right fit is how you feel after that too. And I think that's the important thing to be able to process and work through is like, okay, this didn't work out. This isn't a failure. On, there's some failure on my part, right? Like for not vetting, right? The, take the lessons learned and move forward. But also, you know, sometimes you can't tell yeah. until the person's in there and you're working with them. It's, you know, like a marriage, the longer you can date ahead of time, you know, the bet, the more likelihood your marriage yes. is going to be, you know, successful. And some people have, you know, meet each other and after two weeks are married and they last forever. But you find, you know, if you have those opportunities to live together in business, you don't get that mm -hmm. necessarily. Mm -hmm. You have to interview somebody, you're maybe poaching them away from another company. And so I think that's the important, you know, takeaway from that part is like, you might, you're kind of guessing sometimes you're doing oh, yeah. the absolute best you can, but until you are married and living together and working together there, you know, and the quote unquote married, you know, situation there, like you won't find that out. Yes. You know, and so not being so hard on yourself if it doesn't work out. Yeah. Yeah. That's you know? uh, again, we'll, I guess we'll, we'll see what happens with this one. That, yeah. that, that, that was why, like one of the reasons why it took me four months to hire them is cause I, I had four to six conversations with them. I made them fly to Vegas yeah. to hang out with me in person. Let's go to a restaurant, eat some Dude. food, get All some the drinks. Dating. Yeah, right. Yeah. Exactly. Um, and, uh, you know, talk about things outside of business as well. Yeah. It, it was just, it was like exactly what you're talking about. When you bring on somebody who is this high of a, a level or this high of an involvement in your business, who has the potential to earn equity through this compensation package you put, like you have to look at it like a marriage. Cause yeah. it, it basically is, you're yeah. getting into, you're getting into bed with somebody who's going to have control over your, your baby, something yeah. that you've put a ton of effort and thought and energy into. Yeah. And that's a, that's a, a scary situation to be in, but it can also be an extremely profitable use of your time. So what I looked for, and this is what, again, what mentors told me, and, and I'm not speaking from a place of, I know everything because again, that we, we don't always know if this is going to work out and I'm always learning. Um, but a, a couple things that mentors told me was just like, if you're going to bring on somebody like this, they have to be qualified. Sure. And make sure you go through those types of things, which, which we did. But the main thing was looking for values fit and culture right. fit with me. Yeah. It was just like, I know the types of people that I'm going to work well with, and I know the types of people that I'm not going to work well with. And you could be the most qualified person on, on planet Earth, but if our, we don't have a values alignment, then we're not going to work well together in business. Right. You know, so like some things are very important to me, integrity and honesty and some of these, some of these just baseline, you know, values that not everybody holds. Right. You know what I mean? And, and, and not everybody holds as in high regard as I do. Right. So, and, and, and so you have, you have to, you have to work through some of those value pieces as well, because ultimately like if this person is the type of person that I get along with and we can work through problems and we see the world the same way in terms of how we make decisions and how we go, th how we handle difficult situations or how we hire or fire or like if we have similar values, then I know that everything else can work itself out. Right. You know, like we can work through some training, some training pieces yeah. or we can have some late night discussions on whether or not this strategy is better or that strategy is better. But ultimately, at the end of the day, if we share the same values, yep. then we can build off of everything else from there. And I think I think there's some 
you know, what, what you're doing in terms of like going out to dinner and maybe going out, you know, to golf or wherever it is mm-hmm. that, you know, you can let loose a little bit, yep. have those personal conversations. Those are the types and those are the times where you find out how much somebody aligns with your core values. Yes. You know, you value your relationship with your family. If you're out with somebody, you're, you're hoping to come in and be part of this. And let's say they have a family and kids and they're talking a different way about their family than you are. That's a red flag yeah. in, in, your, yeah. in terms of your core values. So like, yeah, you know, gosh, I can't stand my kids. Right. And you're sitting over there going like, I love spending time with my kids. I don't right. know why anybody wouldn't love spending time with their kids. Right. You're like, so, okay, so there's something here that we're, we're going to miss on at some point. Mm-hmm. Even though we're just talking about kids and time with them, you don't have the same values that I do. So what that's going to tell me is when I'm out spending time with my kids and, and you're expecting something from me or you're hoping for some to get something early and you're getting frustrated with me that I'm with my family, that's not going to work. Right. You know, and so, and, and what I found a lot of times is like trusting your gut in those situations. If I start to get that feeling like, oh man, you know, I don't really like the way I feel about this situation right now. Nine times out of 10, it's right. I'm, I'm, I'm such a logic based person. So when I say this, know that that's how I am, but I've learned a lot recently to, to trust my gut a lot more, uh, because it is not like, it's not just random. Right. right. Like your subconscious mind is processing something crazy, like 50,000 thoughts a minute or something like, like it's ridiculous compared to your conscious mind, which can only process one to three right. or something like that. Yeah. And so there's a connection between the mitochondria in your gut and your brain. And so like, if you really think about it, if your gut is, is sending you signals that something is up, it's probably not completely wrong or totally random. It's probably because your brain subconsciously is processing literally millions of interaction points that have happened across your entire life from the time that you were one until the time that you're whatever your age is is now. So like in between that time, your brain is just constantly processing information. Mm -hmm. And and sometimes when when you're like, I can't quite put my finger on it. It's just like, I don't have any concrete evidence, but your brain is is picking up on commonalities between this person and some negative experiences that you've had in the past. And like, it's it's definitely something to consider because your gut can just be like, Hey, uh, we've dealt with six assholes like this before. Don't fall for this one again. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, there's, I can't put my finger on it. He right. seems like a nice guy. Something I don't know exactly off. what it is. Yeah. But your brain is picking up on the fact that, like, oh, he tilted his eye like that, mm-hmm. and or his body language is is off putting. Yeah. And I don't know what it is, but you, but your brain does know what it is, yeah. and it's trying to tell you through yes. your gut mitochondria yes. that, like, hey, something's effed up here. Yeah. Do not move forward with this person. That's and that's the biggest thing I've been my daughter's entered middle school this year and middle school's tough time for kids and and so what I've been trying to tell them is and the the hardest moments for you are going to be when you feel like something is off and you have to go against the grain hmm. and you have to go against the crowd if everybody yeah. you know people are making fun of a kid for acting a certain way or doing a certain thing it's okay to step in and say hey guys this isn't cool this mm-hmm. doesn't feel right and that is very challenging. I mean, I remember back to middle school, that was very challenging to to do that. And I didn't do that enough. Like for me, I was like, I think, you know, I reflect on those moments of like, oh, I could have done this different or that different. And I try and share with my daughters, like the impact you can have on people's lives by just those small little moments too. Yeah. 
you know, yeah. and what you can do there and trusting your gut and knowing, and then the, the ripple effect that happens from there. Absolutely. Even when it's really difficult. Cause yeah, to your point, middle school's, that's a tough time. <laughs> right. That was a really tough time. Yeah, uh, there, was, there were some kids in my school that w- there was this one girl who just got made fun of all the time. And there's some upperclassmen. I was in like eighth grade or something, ninth grade. His upperclassmen were making fun of her and it was always difficult you know, to stand up to, especially when it's upperclassmen, because they're like the gods of the school, you know what I mean? So like to stand up to those people was always difficult. But I look back on it now as like, I'm happy that I did that because I think that was setting a baseline for, again, not letting people tell me what to do all the time. And I think that it was a confirmation that, you know what, it may cost me a little bit of, 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 uh, of social, you know, currency right mm-hmm. now, but I just believe this is the right thing yeah. to do. So I've I'm, tried, I've tried to that. carry that, you know, advice I'm giving my daughters into business more so as I've, I've grown in my career as well. And, you know, whether it be giving feedback to team members, like that's a really hard thing as well in terms of, you know, you, you're working closely with the team member. I think feedback is always a really good thing, but it's always, you know, what's the tact and what's the approach mm-hmm. and everybody's different too. Yeah in terms of how they receive feedback. And so understanding the individuals, okay, so this person is is going to appreciate more direct to the point uh, feedback. This individual, uh, you know, maybe approach it from, you know, a, a lessons learned or, you know, and somebody else, they want you to just kind of lay into them and, yeah, and let it right. be. And that's that's a challenging thing with growing a team as well. I, you know, I'm sure you've seen of, of helping, under, you know, understanding individual characteristics and helping them grow the right way. So, Paul, what uh, – what are the big things that you're working on these days? Is it mainly Subsummit, and then you have your agency? I don't know. You had a mm-hmm. subscription box company before. You still like toying in any of that? Or? Yeah. So we sold the subscription box company in 2020, um, just before COVID. Okay. And that kind of worked out really well. It was yeah, called the Gentleman's timing. Box. Yeah. It was a, a subscription to help you, you know, dress up and matching socks and ties and pocket squares. Uh, so during COVID, not many people dressed up anymore, <laughs> yeah. and that's why Lululemon stock was through the roof. Um, so we were able to exit that so it could focus on Subsummit. Uh, I have the agency and I have partnerships in various different businesses. I, I bought a pizza shop a while back, promised my wife I'd never worked there, and then broke that promise about three weeks into it. Yeah, um, yeah. You know, that sounds and, about right. Yeah, yeah, typical. <laughs> uh, and so, you know, for me, what I've realized like lately is, you know, focusing and and driving, you know, to the finish line of wherever that may be. Hmm. And for Subsummit, maybe it's, helping find a, a partner to scale this to the next level and and work with a, a larger company to help us continue to grow this. Or uh, maybe it's, you know, continuing to bring somebody in and, and train the team and staff. Like this year, I've had to do far less than I've ever had to do before. Nice. Which has been fantastic yeah. and amazing because what that's allowed me to do is focus on more of the details. Right. Focus on more of the relationships and on the opportunities. On zone of genius. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. And, you know, and I did something this year that the team didn't really expect and not on purpose. It just so happened. I didn't carry a radio around with me. Mm. And usually, you know, most of the team has radios with, you know, we're all in each other's ears and talking about what's going on here, what we need to be aware. And I, I left my radio behind. And I did it on accident on the first day because I was going everywhere. But then I realized, like, probably better that I'm not on radio. Yeah. Because let them solve some of the challenges, let them solve some of the problems. That's the only way they're going to learn. And, you know, I was joke, you know, I could get hit by a bus tomorrow or I did a a stair climb two weeks ago in all my firefighting gear, 2000 steps at Comerica Park Wow, with all my firefighter gear on. And um, because the nights, weekends, I'm a firefighter as well. And, you know, because why not have more things to do? (laughs) And, um, 
I, I was joking with the team, like, hey, listen, if I don't make it on the stair climb, I think you guys are going to be okay for Sub Summit. Yeah. You, you know what you're doing. You're you're there. You really have been able to figure out all the operational stuff on on your own. So anyway, to answer your question, that's where most of my time and attention is. Why do you do stuff like that, the stair climb? Um, so I'm a, I joined volunteer fire department in the city I live in. I, I did this stair climb because I wanted to, um, my friend asked me to, he's like, Hey, you should do the stair climb this year. I'm like, yeah, I think I can do that. And then it became a challenge. Uh, yes. That's what I was getting to. Yeah. yeah. You're, you're a psychopath. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. In a good way. Um, <laughs> and, you know, it became a challenge of like, you know, so the other firefighters at the station are like, look, you're fit and, and healthy, but like you know, are you sure your heart's going to hold up for this? I'm like, yeah, I'll be fine. Wait, was the wife on board for this one? Uh, kind That's of. What I yeah, thought. no, not really. <laughs> so, you know, she's like, you need to get a physical beforehand. I'm like, look, I'm going to make it. And then it became like all the other guys at the station are like, listen, you're going to be lucky if you finish it. I'm like, and I said, you know, I know I can at least finish it. Yeah, yeah. But now, now you forced me to drive myself to finish in the top five yeah. <laughs> of our department. So there are 15 guys doing it. And I finished in the top six. I finished number six number by six. a minute and a half. <laughs> but the top guy at our station, the buddy of mine asked me to do it, finished in 20 minutes. And I finished in 29 minutes and 30 seconds or something like that. Nice. But I, I, I do that because one, you know, I, I appreciate the challenges for a good cause, just for the American Lung Association. And for me, like, I know I want to continue to focus on my health and, mm-hmm. yeah. and be here as long as I can be. And so, you know, that's part of it too. That help kickstart awareness around that. See, how well my heart would hold up. It did fine. <laughs> you know, luckily the sub summit team didn't need to do this on their own. Um, and on the firefighting thing, I started again, like this is the one conversation I had with my wife where she's like, I really don't want you doing this. I'm like, yeah, but I want to. And she's like, I really don't want you doing this. And she was really trying to kind of hold her ground on it. And so then I kind of went behind her back and I did it anyway. I signed up to be a volunteer firefighter and <laughs> she's given me that face in the audience. Like, yep, that was the truth. And um, in hindsight, we're all very, you know, happy with the way it turned out. We have an amazing community of firefighters and, you know, our kids all hang out together and it's, it's so fun and great part of it. But I, I did that because one, I wanted to give back to the community I live in, but also, um, I always, uh, and I'll tell you the, the weird connection I made recently, but I always want to be the person driving towards it, then away from it. Hmm. And there's, there's the adrenaline rush that comes with that of driving towards the unknown. Mm-hmm. But what I've realized recently in the connection to, to business is there's two things in the fire service that I connect to, to what I'm doing every day, like at an event here, like sub summit one, it's rapid problem solving. Hmm. When you walk up on a burning building, you have no idea what's inside. Sadly, I missed a, a fire that my buddies had while I was gone here, hmm. but they were sharing with me. It was, uh, uh, the call came in, a guy had come home, his house was filling with smoke and it was hot upstairs. And that's all, you know, going into that situation. And your job is to get there as quickly as possible, show up, and then and then go find where the fire is yeah. and get in there. And a fire I was on with that, that buddy who challenged me on the stair climb, it's the exact same situation. Open the front door, and um, the chief of the department said, we've got fire in the basement. We don't know where it is, but it's filled with smoke. And me and my buddy go running the front door, gear up. Go in and he goes down to the basement and I'm pulling the hose in the front door to give him to get to get him down to the basement and I lose him in the darkness. And this is a guy that when his mother passed away several years before, I, I went in and talked to her and she wasn't as conscious, but I could tell like I held her hand and I, I promised her, I said, I promise I won't let your son die. I will make sure he's always okay. 
as I watch, I'm watching him go down in the darkness of the basement and I'm remembering this promise I made to her. I'm like, okay, I got to catch up to him. Go down there. I catch up to him and you can't see anything. I can barely see him in front of me, but I follow the hose line down to him and he's spraying water off in the direction of the basement. And I get the thermal imaging camera and I look and there's no fire over there. And I tap him on the shoulder and the fire was in the other direction. We put the fire out. Mm. But what happened in that situation, it was this rapid problem solving. Yeah. Quickly figuring out where the fire was, what was going on, identifying the room that you need to be in, so on and so forth. So that's that's the one part of it. And then the other part of it is like the leadership part of it and leading people and in, 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 in being there for that. And so that's what I'm attracted to in the fire service. It helps feed, you know, that energy inside of me and get that out from time to time too. I think that's awesome, man. I, I think having kids, something, something that has been good for me having kids is yeah. <clears throat> it really makes you reflect way more on the man that you want to become, not just for yourself, but for your family. Right. Right. Like who, who are my kids going to see as yeah. their dad because at some point um uh it was ed Milet who said this to me on a podcast he was like at some point your kids are going to figure out who you really are yeah you know because when they're little it's dad's the hero and and mom and dad are awesome and and they have that they have that viewpoint of your parents just like you did when you were a kid with your parents and at some point your kids find out who you really are right and when that point comes i want I like my my deepest desire in that moment is for my kids to like for the shortest discrepancy to happen at that point between the person who they've always thought I was and the person who I really am. I just want the gap between those two people to be as small as I can make it. Right. It'll never be the exact person because, you know, as a kid, you think you're. Your your parents are superheroes and yeah. immortal and all this. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, but as you but get older, you can get as you close realize. as you can. Yeah, to yeah. that. And I think that's what's cool about what you're doing with the fire stuff and doing the stairs challenge and then running the business and buying a pizza thing and you know doing all these other things. I just think that that uh, I, I think that you're I think that that's going to do way more good for not just you but for your kids than than you even you know realize today. Yeah, um, yeah. I, I told my girls they they would always ask you know when they could start to come to Sub Summit and be a part of what we're doing here. And the rules to all of our kids, you have to be 10 years old to show up. That's when you start to become a little mature enough to be helpful and do things. And so in 2021, they came to our first event back here. They turned 10 in 2020, couldn't do it during COVID. So obviously they showed up here in 2021, had them on stage presenting best kids subscription and have for the past three years. And they've grown into that. Mm. You know, not many kids can say they have been on stage in front of hundreds of people and doing public speaking. Yeah. But more so what I love about having them here is is seeing the work that I'm doing and, and understanding, you know, how we're, we're here helping people and what we're doing as far as business goes, meeting other entrepreneurs and seeing part of that. And I know they're not taking every moment in, right? They're kids. Sure. They're, they're interested in maybe what's next on YouTube or the next video Mr. Beast is putting out or <laughs> whatever it is. But I know subconsciously they're getting some of those things or seeing the hard work that goes into stuff like this too. Yeah. Paul, this has been awesome, man. I appreciate yeah. you coming on the show. Um, before we take off, where's the best place that people can go connect with you a little bit more? Yeah, so uh, I'm pretty pretty vocal on LinkedIn around there a lot. Um, try and share a lot of great content with the community on LinkedIn. I've been even more involved in Twitter lately. Okay, uh, so you can find me on LinkedIn at you know just Paul Chambers. Search Sub Summit. You'll find find me through there. Uh, on Twitter, I'm at Paul Chambers. Uh, it's getting a little more traction, so I've tried to be on a little bit more lately. Sure. Yeah, um, and then uh, you can always email me Paul at Subta S U B T A. 
com. You know, that, what's wild, uh, we get people saying stuff like that, and I appreciate you being willing to do that. Paul at subta.com. If you're listening to this and you don't take advantage of things like this, you got to ask yourself, uh, when are you going to start? Because we have some amazing people on the show, man, and um, people give out personal contact information. Yeah. And it blows my mind when people don't take advantage of reaching out to these people just to say thank you, just to like initiate a, a you know a connection in yeah. some way. So and I will I will share um, my my inbox does get get flooded. And so I have filtering tools. So if you do email, put, you know, Travis Chapel's podcast or Travis heard you on Travis makes friends podcast. So I can find it through my filtering software. Cause I hate to miss emails, but I I'm absolutely more than happy to connect with anybody. Awesome. So if you are an entrepreneur, just want to talk about subscriptions or uh, you maybe you have a subscription company or uh, maybe you have an events company. Um, you know, Paul knows a lot about these different businesses, uh, different models and uh, has just given you his personal contact information. Mm -hmm. So uh, reach out, tell him you heard about him here on the show. Paul, thanks again for coming on, man. This is a blast. Thanks for having me, Travis. Thanks for being here. That's it for today's episode. Thanks for spending some time with me and my friends. If you want to be better friends with me, then head over to travischapel.com slash team to subscribe to my free newsletter, Your Friend Travis, where I share what's on my mind about life, building a business, raising kids, being married, and anything else I would normally share with my close circle of friends. That's travischapel.com slash team. And my biggest ask of you since I'm sharing my friends with you is to share this episode with a friend of yours that hasn't listened to the show yet and leave us a quick five-star rating in Apple Podcasts and in Spotify. It would mean the world to us as it helps us make sure that this show continues to be more valuable to you. Thanks in advance, and I'll catch you on the next episode. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.